my passion for dance ended up turning into my passion for business. Like now I'm obsessed with business the way that I was obsessed with dance, which is not surprising considering now I realize I grew up in a family business. I heard business at every dinner conversation, just didn't kind of click until later. A few businesses locally started to say, could you just share a few things? And I did. And after like five or six times, I thought, wow, this could be really fun. Just like the dance studio. I'm like, I wonder if I could charge for this. Like this could be a really cool business to have. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Build Your Network podcast, the only top-rated show committed to helping you grow your business, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Let's get into the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Stacy Tushel. Stacy, what's up? Welcome to the show. Hi, Travis. Thanks for having me. Of course. I know we had a conversation the other day on your mm-hmm. show as well. It was such a good talk. Figured, hey, why not return the favor and uh, bring you over to Build Your Network and introduce everybody to you. So let's start from the beginning. Okay. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about eight-year-old Stacy. Set the yes. scene. Where were you in the world? What was life like for you at that age? Yeah. So I actually grew up in like a little town where I went to like a private Christian school. So very sheltered. I graduated in eighth grade with, I think, 10 kids in my class, eight girls and two boys. So very like not, didn't know what was going on, didn't know where I was going to go. But when I graduated, I ended up going to the public high school. So I went from 10 kids to 450 kids. Didn't know anybody didn't I I was going as the I was the only kid that didn't go to the private Christian high school. So my mom said, well, the best way to make friends is to join a team. So why don't you go try out for something? So I look up this D the division one high school. <laughs> I have no real like athletic ability from my little tiny school. And the dance team was up first and I thought, hmm, I'll try it. And I literally made the varsity dance team at this school. I was like one of three freshmen to make it. And little did I know that that would turn into my career one day. So it's just kind of crazy how that all worked out. But it's funny you bring up the eight-year-old because that played a massive part into why that happened. Were your parents still really religious when you started going to the the public school? Yes, but I wouldn't wouldn't even say they're really religious. Like We did not grow up very religious, but we went to church every Sunday and we went to a Christian school. Okay, But it was more of one of those things where... I obviously high school gets a lot more expensive and they let us decide as kids, like, where do you want to go? And I was at the time, my older, older sister, I had an eight-year-older sister, but I was kind of like the first of my sister, my younger sister. And they kind of let me pick, do you want to go to the public school or do you want to go to where everybody else is going? And I picked public. Mm, Why? I think at the time I didn't like how sheltered and how small everything was. Mm, Now looking back- you were at least aware of that? I was very aware of it. Yes. Yeah, because I would do some things in our town or go someplace else and I would see everything else. And I realized like, oh, there's a lot more going on over here. Um, but now looking back, I actually appreciate how it was and how I was raised. But in the moment, you always want what you don't have, right? Yeah, of course. Especially mm-hmm. as, a, as a teenage kid. Of course. When you're perceiving that your freedom levels are being, are being <laughs> oppressed, you want to get out and go do something, right? Yep. So in high school, did you have a major emphasis on academics? Was that something that was important to you or was that totally back of mind? Nope. And especially when I found dance, I ended up falling in love with it. So okay. now my passion was 100% dance. Like I didn't care about anything, but just consuming it, learning it, um, just 
taking it even outside of school, now finding a studio that I could go to. So I was like an average, like an average student, I would say, but I had zero interest in trying to get good grades or trying to to do any of that. What did you think you were going to do after high school? So I definitely felt like it was going to be the traditional route of going to college, getting some regular nine to five job. That I mean, that was 100% where I was thinking. I did grow up in a small business. So my grandparents started a business construction and my parents worked in it. So even though I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, it never crossed my mind. They never brought up starting my own business. I really thought, oh, I'll I'll just get a job. Like that's what people do. Yeah, yeah. When you were in high school, did you have plans of going to a certain college or was it just like, nah, you know, I'll get I'll get decent enough grades that I can get into yeah. a decent enough school and get a decent enough job and yeah. I just do dance right now. Yeah. So it was it was kind of like, okay, what's the bare minimum I need to do here to get at least where I want to go, right? And that I, I ended up picking the school where it was a state school here in Wisconsin. And I picked it because it was where we always went for like dance camps that summer. And I think oh, I thought yeah. I had this like attachment to it because it was yeah. where I, you know, went to dance. But it was not the school you would go to in Wisconsin if you wanted to be a dancer. And I left after one semester because I was like, wait, what I loved about this place, it's not here when I'm oh, going here, here here to school. So I actually ended up transferring back to UW-Milwaukee where there was a lot more dance opportunity. What was your major in college? So I majored in, I ended up graduating with a business degree and then business administration and marketing. But what happened was when I graduated high school, I wasn't good enough to be a performer. I mean, I had only been dancing a few years. So I thought, well, you know, maybe I could start a middle school dance team for fun while I'm going to school. So the summer I graduated high school, I ended up getting 17 kids to sign up for my dance team that I created from scratch. And then within three years, my junior year of college, I had 100 kids. So then my parents were like, wait, this might be a business. You could probably charge and do this. So then I really didn't want to graduate college because I'm like, oh, I got my business and it's dance. I don't need to go to school. And my parents were like, oh no, you're going to finish. You're a junior. (laughs) (laughs) So they made me finish, get my diploma. And um, I did at in 2005. So three years into like, we were dancing in my parents' backyard. Like that's where we were dancing. And then three years in, we ended up renting a space or I rented a space. And now 20 years later, I have two performing arts academies. We have 1,600 dance and music students. Businesses, I mean, the business is grossing seven figures a year. I haven't been in the in the business side of it in almost 10 years. So I strictly work on the management side, work from it remote, work remotely. Do you view your time in college in terms of like the academics that you studied and how it relates to your business success to this day? Do you view that time as mostly helpful, unhelpful, neutral? Like what would be your advice to somebody that's like, I really want to be in business. I feel like I yeah. have a good enough idea or maybe they have traction on something similar to what you had. Yeah. What would your advice to them be around school? I think if you want to get something out of something, you can. But I yeah. didn't want to get... I was like done with it. I wasn't yeah. thinking I needed it. So I wasn't even trying to get something out of college. So yeah. for me, I feel like it wasn't worth my time. It wasn't worth the money, but it could have been. I just didn't yeah. apply myself. Yeah. I also think there 
are opportunities today that maybe there weren't back then. Like now I'm hearing of business, like you can actually go to entrepreneurship classes. Like I wasn't in anything like that. So I don't want to say like nobody should go to college. I do secretly hope my children don't go to college. (laughs) I hope that they just immediately start their own business. But I, I don't look at that and think that's where my knowledge came from. It's from running a business for 20 years and making mistakes and trying things and then learning the hard way a lot of times. It's just so hard with a degree, especially in business, because it's just everything changes so constantly. Yes. You know, especially now, especially, you know, post internet. It's just, you know, you could be studying a marketing book from two and a half years ago that's almost completely irrelevant. Oh my goodness. At this point. You know what I mean? It's just I mean, you're studying strategy, right? Like strategy right. stays the same. Like you read Robert Cialdini in 1960, or you could read Robert Cialdini yeah. in 2022, and it's going to be the same in terms yeah. of like, you know, human psychology and how to market to them. But tactics, practical strategy, yeah. like that stuff changes like so yeah. often. And so, and more often than not, unless you're in a really good program at like a Stanford right. or a Harvard or something, you know, the professors that are teaching the classes, like clearly they weren't that successful in business or they probably right. wouldn't be teaching a class yep. at like the local junior college or any plethora of actually pretty solid state schools or, or mainstream universities. It's just like, is it worth it? Are these the people that I want to be learning yeah. from? Like, I feel like if I could do it over... I feel like my main thing wouldn't even be go start your own business at 18. Mm-hmm. It, it would be go work for an entrepreneur at 18. Yes. And oh, I agree do so much. whatever they wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. Like, just let me be around just you. Learn. Let me learn from you. Let me listen on your conversations. I'll pick up your dry clean. I don't care. Like, you don't even have to pay yeah. me. It's not about the money that you make from 18 to 25. It's about how much can you possibly squeeze into your like learning? How much, how much compression of time can you put into that first seven years out of high school? It just seems to me like it would be better served on working under somebody who's out there doing it now. Like not, oh, I did it 20 years ago. Not, oh, I teach it now. Like somebody that's doing it as of right now. I feel like that would be so, so like such a better use of time for most kids. Yeah. And that's why I think a lot of times too, I mean, the professors I was learning from, they were not people that had businesses. They were people that were teaching it. And for me, I always tell people like, be careful who you're listening to. You want to be listening to somebody who's not just in theory but they actually this is real experience that right. it's coming from. Yeah, and it's it's if you're in a subject like philosophy, you know, right. it's like, well, I mean, their job is to think, you know, so right. yeah, if if you've been studying philosophy for 30 years, like your job is literally to study and write and theorize and think mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But like business, your job is to do. Yes. Not to talk about doing. So yeah. like not to say that you can't learn something from somebody, but mm-hmm. you got to take the advice with a grain of salt and understand that like, hey, you know, if this person's never done that. They never walked the road. Then, right? You know, maybe I should go find somebody who has. And yeah, <laughs> from them and too. four years is a long time when you think about it. Right. You're learning, but you're never doing. And we right. really learn the best by implementing. So to think you're going to walk out of there and have all this experience when you haven't been doing, it's like you're. They were literally reading how to ride a bike, but you never stepped on the bike. That's right. that's a big difference. And, and it's the same people, by the way, that are going to talk crap about all the other programs that are out there. Like, oh, yeah. that, that person's a scam artist and you spent $100,000 on a mastermind. And mm-hmm. oh, you have, I can't believe you bought another online course, you know? And it's like, yeah. dude, you spent like 300 grand going to some <laughs> state school that you're in debt for for the next 20 years. So you could get right. out and get a job as a janitor. Like stop mm-hmm. talking crap about all the other ways to learn. The bottom line is we all need education. Yeah, And I think that, especially in the business entrepreneurship world, that going yeah. to school for it is going to get less and less popular as the years continue to progress. 100%. Um, unless, and I, like I, I said, I, unless there's other reasons to do it. You're at right. Harvard, you meet somebody in the school. 
right? Like yeah. you're there for the connections. You're not there for yeah, just the true. learning. And you might get a great education, but you're not there for that. You're there for the dorm room meetups with other people who's like parents or hedge fund managers or whatever. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like you're there to make connections, not just right. there to learn. Yeah. And that's what I was saying. It's like when you go in with an intention or you go in with the right intention to say, okay, I am going to get something. I am going to make those connections. I am going to fill in the blank. Yeah. It's a different story, but a lot of us, we're not, we're not doing that. We're not thinking that way. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Okay. So you go to college, you're doing this this business, yep. graduate college, realize it's a real business. And how long were you actively involved in the business before you decided to step away? Yeah. So I will say two years into officially like opening up the business, I realized very quickly, wait, wait, I can't be just the dance teacher because if I'm the dance teacher, there is no owner here actually building a real business. So it was hard because I wanted to be, I wanted to dance. That's why I was doing it. And then I quickly realized like, wait, this is a, this is a actual business. This isn't a hobby. And I started to go to conferences and conventions and all these things. And I realized, okay, everybody here is building a team. There are no solo entrepreneurs and they're, they're the dance teacher and they're the working the front desk and their collections. No, they had a team of people. And I had to quickly realize, I better start learning how to hire and how to delegate and train people so that I can scale this business. And as soon as I did that, I mean, we were blowing up. Even through the 2008 recession, we grew every single year. I went to the bank to build a building and the bank could not believe our numbers in the recession because we were just scaling that quickly. And we ended up building a million dollar dance studio in the recession while everything was like closing. Wow. So the one thing that you have really dialed in, Stacey, that I'm really jealous of is uh, systems and processes. 
Mm-hmm. Was this like something that you ever were purposefully trying to master and it was outside of your scope of not just knowledge, but like skill set? And I guess my question is like, do you feel like you're naturally drawn to organization or processes or systems? Or do you feel like you kind of forced yourself to wear the hat because you realize the upside? Yeah. So naturally what happened was I started to build this team, but I kind of built more chaos. Like all of a sudden it was like, wait, they're doing this, but they're not doing it the way that I want to, or I would never have said that to a customer or, oh my goodness, I can't believe she just did this. Right. So I started to realize you can't really think about hiring without putting systems in place to get it to run the way you want to without you being there. Mm. So I think I wasn't fully on board until I realized, wait, this is in my benefit, right? Like if I want to step away and not be interrupted during dinner or on the weekends or on a vacation, I've got to figure out how to put systems in place so they actually run it the way that I would like it to be run. And it wasn't from like a perfectionist or a controlling standpoint. It was just like, no, 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 you can't speak to a customer like that, right? (laughs) Like just common sense stuff that maybe the 21-year-old I hired didn't know you couldn't say at the front desk, right? right? So it really was to give great customer experience and customer service. I had to just train people, this is how to do it. And a lot of the people I hire are in their early 20s. They're also going to school or they have a real job. And this is like their fun side hustle they do at night or on the weekends. Mm. So there was a learning curve. And I had to realize like, oh, whoa, they're me. They're the old me. They're just coming because they want to do the fun dancing part. They don't really know how to run a business either. When you're training people now, do you guys use like a software or a system that uh, just like is like kind of almost like a video library for yes. things like that? Because those are one of those, that's a soft skill, right? That's not like a, hey, go into this system and input the name, press enter. You know, and, and, you know what I mean? It's different. It's like talking to people, communicating, yeah. you know, um, having good head on your shoulders, uh, articulating a point extremely well, using proper, you know, English or whatever it is. There's a lot of these soft skills that matter as much or arguably more than like the actual hard skill of, you know, operating the CRM or whatever. Absolutely. Um, So what do you do with people in that context? Yeah, we're, we're really big on videos and showing, not just telling people. And whether it's in my online consulting business or in my brick and mortar business, we are even in the onboarding process. Instead of saying your company values over and over and over every time you onboard somebody, You could be watching a video and I don't do the onboarding calls anymore, but I do have the video of me explaining how I started the company, why I started it, what our values are, why we pick those values, what they mean. So they still get to hear from me, but I'm not there, which also multiplies my time. So we actually use um, where I typically use Kajabi for my online courses. I use Kajabi to onboard our team members as well and have those videos stored right inside of there. Got it. Got it. Okay. So basically anything that will host video content. Yeah. I mean, your project management software linked to a Google Drive link of the video. I mean, you could put it... videos or whatever. Anything. Correct. Yeah. Unlisted YouTube videos, right? Have them. Have them. (laughs) And sometimes it may not make sense to have it be a video. Sometimes you might have to write it versus do video. I will say I think videos are more effective because when you write things out, you tend... We forget how like step-by-step some of these processes are. So we leave certain processes or steps out, but when you do it on video and you actually do the whole from you know A to Z, you will do every single step and somebody can pause it and rewind it and go back and really study it. Okay, so when you were building this particular business and now you have other businesses yep. uh, that you're working on, how many in total now? So my dance schools have two locations, but we count it as one business still. Okay. And then I have my online consulting company. 
Okay. And you guys consult on business growth or systems or operations? Yeah. Or- yeah. So the um, our like brand itself is called Well-Oiled Operations. So I'm teaching people how I've hired, how I've trained, how I've taught them systems. Literally what I did. And it organically started to happen. Like the karate studio down the street was like, hey, would it be weird if I sat down with you and you told me a few, a few things? And I'm like, no, that would be really fun. I would love to talk business, right? Because my passion for dance ended up turning into my passion for business. Like now I'm obsessed with business the way that I was obsessed with dance, which is not surprising considering now I realize I grew up in a family business. I heard business at every dinner conversation, just didn't kind of click until later. So yeah, just like a few businesses locally started to say, could you just share a few things? And I did. And after like five or six times, I thought, wow, this could be really fun. Just like the dance studio. I'm like, I wonder if I could charge for this. Like this could be a really Mm -hmm. cool business to have. And now I've been doing that for about seven years. Are you uh, still dancing? No. And it's one of those things where I haven't taught dance in probably 15 years. I haven't danced myself probably 10. Mm. But I do think like I need some more hobbies and I could go back to just making it fun again versus like work. Yeah. Yeah. It's always one of those like maybe later, maybe later and then it never happens. (laughs) The hobbies are good. Like having hobbies that keep you active. Yes. And that's why I, I love healthy fitness, all of that. So I'm like, it could be a double dip there of, of my passion as well as, um, yeah, good for me. Totally. Okay. So processes, systems, all that stuff. Yes. Typically, this is not a blanket statement, but typically people who are really good at that tend to not be good at other things. What would you say at this point? Like, yeah, these are, these are some of the things that I've really had to work on because it yeah. is naturally for me. So if you're somebody that loves the process, loves the systems, love organization, great. But if you're not, you just got to find somebody who is, right? So all of us, like we have our own strengths in our business. I mean, there's a lot of us here that have very successful businesses, but we are very, very different people. But we've all had to find like the complementary person that can come in and be that strength where we were weak, right? Mm-hmm. So if somebody's listening is not great at systems, well, guess what? Somebody out there would love to come in and get their hands on your business and help you systematize, right? I just say, be careful. You have to have some level of involvement, even if you don't like it, because here's what's going to happen. You're going to say, oh, you love systems? Just come build them. I don't need to see what they are. Just build them. And then you're going to go, I don't like the way they're running this business because mm-hmm. your systems are so foundational. You could at least be with them, brain dump what you want to see, and then have them systematize off of what you said. Mm-hmm. But if you kind of think like, I'm washing my hands, this is your job. I have, yeah. I've seen people go, I had to fire her. She was overwhelming. She took everything over. It was not the way I wanted to do it. I'm like, but you kind of told yeah, them to do yeah, that. That's basically what you said to do though. Yeah. So. Usually the business owners that come to me, they're like, no, 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 I don't want to do this. Like, I'm going to buy your program, but I'm not going to go through it. I'm going to make my team member go through it. And I'm like, the problem is she's going to be on fire and she's going to be excited. And you're going to be going, I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't have time to do this. And I don't want you messing around the business, right? You've got to be somewhat involved because you're the visionary. You're the leader. For your program specifically, do you have different like tiers, different levels, different types of investments? Yeah. So we do like a group coaching program and then we have a higher level mastermind. And I, when somebody comes into the group coaching program, a lot of times they'll say, I'm, I'm just going to, I let team members come in because we help train them as well. And they'll say, I'm just going to bring the team member in. And I do have to be like, okay, but I have a feeling you're going to want to get in here. And nine times out of 10, they end up getting in the program, even though they think they won't. Because when you see how on fire your team is, when they actually know what they're doing, you're going to want to drink that Kool-Aid too, right? You got to be on the same page as your team, like no matter what, which is why a lot of times when we, the entrepreneur, buy a program, buy a mastermind, and we're on fire, and then we come back from it, and we try to like tell them all the things we learned in three days in like a 20-minute thing, and they're like, I don't get it. 
you need to, you need to have everybody drink the Kool-Aid, right? If you're going to go to a conference, bring your right hand with you. We have a lot of things in common, Stacey. One of them being that we both have podcasts where mm-hmm. we interview people. Why do you have your show? What has it done for you? So I started the show back in 2015. And I had somebody say to me, I'm just very coachable. When somebody tells me to do something, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll give it a try. So somebody just messaged, I was on somebody else's podcast and they said, you need your own. Like anybody can do this. You'd be very good at interviewing somebody. It's a really great place to connect, to meet other people, to interview anybody you want on your show. Like give it a shot. And I'm like, okay, why not? Thinking, oh, this will be easy. Obviously, it's actually not that hard, but there's work involved in a podcast for sure. But I will say that that has been the biggest thing of building my network and getting other people that like I, some of these authors, I can't believe they're saying yes to me. I'm like, I'm obsessed with your book, like a New York Times bestselling author or Susie Orman. I've been watching her show since I was in my early 20s, like in my living room Saturday night, like telling people like denied. And this, I'm like, I am interviewing this lady. Like I couldn't even believe some people that would say yes to me. So yeah. that has been huge is just the, the people that you would never think you could speak to. They come on for free and hang out with you. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. You never even think that it's like a possibility when you first start. It's just kind of like, you know, maybe one day Mm -hmm. I'll be able to get big enough where they would be able to come on my show. And then like you just start kind of like, hey, I wonder what would happen if I reached out right now. And you reach out and they're like, yeah, let's do it. And you're like, whoa, what? Okay, Mm -hmm. sure. You know, it doesn't even just help you have a good conversation with somebody that you respect and admire. That's already cool. Mm-hmm. What's cool about it is like how public it can be made, meaning that like it also helps your personal brand to be more recognizable, more credible, yeah. more authoritative, right? It, like what I tell people is like it it brings you the credibility to match with your authority, right? Because yes. you're already an authority. You already built yeah. a seven-figure business mostly through learning how to re- build really good systems and operations. Yeah. You are already helping people. You're already really qualified to do the thing that you do. You have the authority to do what you do. But if you don't have the credibility, then yeah. people have to know you before they recognize the authority. Whereas if you go connect with all these other people, people see your brand, they give you immediate credibility. And it's so much easier to prove your authority once you have the credibility. Yeah. And 100%. those always just lead to more trust, which leads to more business, which leads to yeah. being able to build your brand bigger. Like Everything stems back to doing these interviews on a freaking podcast, even if it doesn't ever blow up, even if you're never Joe Rogan or whatever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. And you don't have to be to like even hit the top 50 on the charts. Like that's what's crazy is. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I think we were like 25 this week in management. And just because we're up there, you might have no idea who I am, but you're like, huh, I'm going to check this one out. Right. And in our podcast is the number one place our clients come from. Usually they'll say things like, I've been listening to Stacey's podcast for a few months and I, right. It's like, they connect with me. So they already are so sold on me because it's like, we've been talking several times a week. Yep, exactly. You're building relationships yeah, like personally with people that you're interviewing, but you're building relationships at scale with people that are listening. And mm-hmm. I, I think that podcasting is the only platform where that is, where that is true uh, yeah. personally, like YouTube, maybe. But mm-hmm. there's something about podcasts that are different. You know, yeah. if, if you're just like in somebody's car as they're driving for three and a half hours and they just listen to you for three and a half hours, like the the medium's just so intimate. It just feels it feels like you're in their car next to them. Right. For them is what it feels right. like. Like they they feel like they really know you. It builds that relationship so much deeper than you know, seeing a video on TikTok or Instagram or whatever. And not to say that you shouldn't be any of those other places. Right. But in terms of like building the deepest relationship possible with the ideal listener who happens yeah. to be also an ideal client for you, 
you know, is a good thing. And then for all the people that can't, like to me, it's also a really great place for me to send people who can't afford to work with me. Yes. You know, which I really, really like doing. It's like, look, I, I would love to help you out. I, my time is extremely scarce. This is what yeah. I charge for it. I think it's worth that. And a lot of other people do too. If mm-hmm. that's not within the realm of reason for you right now, I have 800 episodes in my podcast that are yeah. totally free. That is a ton of great value, really good content that you'll be able to like pick up on. And then if you use that and you go implement it and it helps you build your business and build right. your brand and you start making some revenue, then you can afford to hire me. And like that's Absolutely. a really cool story too. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean... There's, uh, it's just a win-win for everybody involved. And even for these experts that come on who are grateful that we're talking about their book or their new podcast that came out or whatever it is. So it really is such a win in every direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Stacey, I know we're kind of coming up on time here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to I definitely send some people over to what you have going on. For, for everybody listening, to me, the difference between a seven-figure f- business and an eight-figure business is the systems that you have in place. And really, potentially, even this between a six-figure and seven-figure yeah. business. Well, um, it's it's to, for system. six and seven. I've seen people go to seven without systems, yeah. but they're stressed out. They're right. not happy. They're burned out. Right? It's it's the difference in the level of your lifestyle and how much you enjoy your business. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Whether or not you own your job or yes. you own a business. Yes. Yeah. Because you see a lot of people that become entrepreneurs so that nobody can tell them what to do. And then all of a sudden they're servicing 12 clients that just do nothing but tell them what to do all day. Oh my goodness. Uh, Amen to that. That's that's the opposite. It's even worse. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Because then, you know, you have, if you have two employees and a bunch of problem clients, it's like, well, I can't get rid of my clients because I have to pay those people. You're, you're almost like worse than having a job because you don't have as much ability to leave what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, the systems, the systems part of it is, is the part that my team and I are really going through right now and implementing, um, if you're listening to this right now, uh, connect with Stacy, check out some of the stuff she has going on. Stacy, where's the best entry point for people? to? Yeah. To yep. So two places, either the well-oiled operations podcast, or go to my Instagram at Stacy Tushel. Lots of content over there as well. So whatever you prefer. Perfect. At Stacy Tushel on Instagram. That's S-T-A-C-Y-T-U-S-H-L. T-U-S-H-L. Stacy Tushel over on Instagram. Go give her a follow. Check out what she's got going on. Stacy, uh, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Travis. So fun. Hey, hey, thanks for listening to this episode. That's it for today. As you all know, this show is completely free. Our only ask is that if you found anything valuable in this episode or in any of the episodes that you've listened to, then share it with somebody else and leave us a quick rating review in whatever platform you're listening to right now. It would be super, super helpful for us. Uh, So that's it for today, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Catch you next time.